Section 3 of Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini Part 2 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chris Caron. Autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini Part 2 Section 3 Chapters 10 through 13 Chapter 10 The Cardinal of Ferrara saw that the king had been vastly pleased by my arrival. He also judged that the trifles which I showed him of my handicraft and had encouraged him to hope for the execution of considerable things he had in mind. At this time, however, we were following the court with the weariest trouble and fatigue. The reason of this was that the train of the king dragged itself along with never less than twelve thousand horse behind it. This calculation is very lowest, for when the court is complete in times of peace... There are some 18,000, which makes 12,000 less than the average. Consequently, we had to journey after it through places where sometimes there were scarcely two houses to be found. And then we set up canvas tents like gypsies, and suffered at times very great discomfort. I therefore kept urging the cardinal to put the king in mind of employing me in some locality where I could stop and work. The cardinal answered that it was far better to wait until the king should think of it himself, and that I ought to show myself at times to his majesty while he was at table. This I did then, and one morning at his dinner the king called me. He began to talk to me in Italian, saying he would had it in his mind to execute several great works, and that he would soon give orders where I was to labor and provide me with all necessaries. These communications he mingled with discord on divers pleasant matters. The Cardinal of Ferrero was there, because he almost always ate in the morning at the king's table. He had heard our conversation, and when the king rose, he spoke in my favor to this purport. As I afterwards was informed, Sacred Majesty, this Benvenuto, is very eager to get to work again. It seems almost a sin to let an artist of his abilities waste his time. The king replied that he had spoken well, and told him to arrange with me all the things for my support according to my wishes. Upon the evening of the day when he received this commission, the cardinal sent for me after supper, and told me that his majesty was resolved to let me begin working, but that he wanted me first to come to an understanding about my appointments. To this the cardinal added, It seems to me that if his majesty allows you three hundred crowns a year, you will be able to keep yourself very well indeed. Furthermore, I advise you to leave yourself in my hands, for every day offers the opportunity of doing some service in this great kingdom, and I shall exert myself with vigor in your interest. Then I began to speak as follows. When your most reverend lordship left me in Ferrara, you gave me a promise, which I had never asked for, not to bring me out of Italy before I clearly understood the terms on which I should be placed here with his majesty. Instead of sending to communicate these details, your most reverent lordship urgently ordered me to come by the post, as if an art like mine was carried on post-haste, had you written to tell me of three hundred crowns, as you have now spoken. I would not have stirred a foot for twice that sum." Nevertheless, I thank God and your most reverent lordship for all things, seeing God has employed you as the instrument for my great God in procuring my liberation from imprisonment. Therefore I assure your lordship that all the troubles you are now causing me fall a thousand times short of the great God which you have done me. With all my heart I thank you 
and take good leave of you, wherever I may be, so long as I have life. I will pray God for you. The cardinal was greatly irritated, and cried out in a rage, Go where you choose, it is impossible to help people against their will. Some of his good-for-nothing courtiers, who were present, said, That fellow gets great store on himself, for he is refusing three hundred ducats a year. Another, who was a man of talent, replied, The king will never find his equal, and our cardinal wants to cheapen him, as though we were a load of wood. This was Messer Luigi Alamani, who spoke to the above effect, as I was afterwards informed. All this happened on the last day of October, in Dauphine, at a castle, the name of which I do not remember. Chapter 11 On Leaving the Cardinal I repaired to my lodging, which was three miles distant, in company with the secretary of the cardinal returning to the same quarters. On the road this man never stopped asking me what I meant to do with myself, and what my own terms regarding the appointment would have been. I gave him only one word back for answer, which was that I knew all. When we came to our quarters I found Pagolo and Ascanio there, and seeing me too much troubled, they implored me to tell them what was the matter. To the poor young men, who were all dismayed, I said for answer, Tomorrow I shall give you money amplified sufficient for your journey home. I mean myself to go out, a most important business without you, which for a long time I have had it in my mind to do. Our room adjoined that of the secretary, and I think it not improbable that he wrote to the cardinal and informed him of my purpose. However, I never knew anything for certain about this. The night passed without sleep, and I kept wearing for the day, in order to carry out my resolution. No sooner did it dawn than I ordered out the horses, made my preparations in a moment, and gave the two young men everything which I had brought with me, and fifty ducats of gold in addition. I reserved the same sum for myself, together with the diamond tot. Together with the diamond the duke had given me, I only wept. I only kept two shirts and some well-worn riding clothes, which I had upon my back. I found it almost impossible to get free of the two young men, who insisted upon going with me. Whatever happened, at last I was obliged to treat them with contempt, and use this language. One of you has the, his first beard, and the other is just getting it, and both of you have learned as much as from me I could teach in my poor art so that you are now the first craftsman among the youths of Italy. Are you not ashamed to have no courage to quit this go-cart, but must always creep about in leading-strings? The thing is too disgraceful. Or if I were to send you away without money, what would you say then? Come take yourselves out of my sight, and may God bless you a thousand times. Farewell. I turned my horse and left them weeping. Then I took my way along a very fair road through a forest, hoping to make at least forty miles that day and reached the most out-of-the-way place I could. I had already ridden about two miles, and during that short time had resolved never to revisit any of those parts where I was known. I also determined to abandon my art so soon, as I had made Christ three cubits in height, reproducing so far as I was able that infinite beauty which he had himself revealed to me. So then, being thoroughly resolved, I turned my face toward the holy Sefalcher, just when I thought I had got so far that nobody could find me, I heard horses galloping after, 
They filled me with some uneasiness, because that district is infested with a race of brigands who bear the name of venturers and are apt to murder men upon the road. Though numbers of them are hanged every day, it seems as though they did not care. However, when the riders approached, I found they were a messenger from the king and my lad Ascanio. The former came up to me and said, From the king I order you to come immediately to his presence. I replied, You have been sent by the cardinal, and for this reason I will not come. The man said that, since gentle usage would not bring me, he had authority to raise the folk, and they would take me, bound hand and foot like a prisoner. Ascanio, for his part, did all he could to persuade me, reminding me that when the king sent a man to prison, he kept him there five years at least before he let him out again. This word about the prison, when I remembered what I had endured in Rome, struck such terror into me that I wheeled my horse round briskly and followed the king's messenger. He kept perpetually chattering in French through all our journey up to the very prestinks of the court, at one time bowling, now saying one thing, then another, till I felt inclined to deny God and the world. Chapter 12 On our way to the lodgings, if the king we passed before those of the Cardinal of Ferreira, standing at his door, he called to me and said, our most Christian monarch has of his own accord assigned you the same appointments which his majesty allowed the painter, Leonardo da Vinci, that is, a salary of seven hundred crowns. In addition, he will pay you for all the works you do for him, also for your journey. Hither he gives you five hundred golden crowns, which will be paid, which will be paid you before you quit this place. At the end of this announcement, I replied that those were offers worthy of the great king he was, the messenger not knowing anything about me, and hearing what splendid offers had been made me by the king. Begged my pardon over and over again, Pagolo and Ascanio exclaimed, It is God who had helped us to get back unto our honored, into so honored a go-cart. On the day following, I went to thank the king, who ordered me to take the models of twelve silver statues, which were to stand as candelabra, candelabra, round his table. He wanted them to represent six gods and six goddesses, and to have exactly the same height as his majesty, which was a trifle under four cubits. Having dictated this commission, he returned to his treasurer and asked whether he had paid me the five hundred crowns. The official said that he had received no orders to that effect. The king took this very ill, for he had requested the cardinal to speak to him about it. Furthermore, he had told me to go to Paris and seek out a place to live in, fitted in the execution of such work. He could see that I obtained it. I got the five hundred crowns of gold and took up my quarters at Paris in a house of the Cardinal of Ferreira where I began, in God's name, to work and fashion four little waxen models, about two-thirds of a cubit in each height. About two-thirds of a cubit, each in height. They were Jupiter, Juno, Apollo, and Vulcan. In this, while the king returned to King. In this, while the king returned to Paris, whereupon I went to him at once, taking my models with me, and my two apprentices, Ascanio and Pagolo, on perceiving 
on perceiving that the king was pleased with my work and being commissioned to execute the jupiter in silver of the height above described i introduced the two young men and said that i had brought them with me out of italy to serve his majesty for insomuch as they had been brought up by me i could at the beginning get more help from them than from the paris workmen to this the king replied that i might name a salary which i thought sufficient for their maintenance i said that a hundred crowns of gold apiece would be quite proper and that i would make them earn their wages well this agreement was concluded then i said that i had found a place which seemed to me exactly suited to my industry it was his majesty's own property and called the little nello the provost of paris was then in possession of it from his majesty but since the provost made no use of the castle his majesty perhaps might grant it to me to employ it in his service he replied upon the instant that place is my own house and i know well that the man i gave it to does not inhabit or use it so you shall have it for the work you have to do he then told his lieutenant to install me in the nello this officer made some resistance pleading that he could not carry out the order the king answered in anger that he meant to bestow his property on whom he pleased and on a man who, who would serve him seeing that he got nothing from the other therefore he would hear no more about it the lieutenant then submitted that some small force would have to be employed in order to effect an entrance to which the king answered go then and if a small force is not enough use a great one the officer took me immediately to the castle. There he put me in profession, if not, however, without violence. After that he warned me to take very good care that I was not murdered. I installed myself in rolled serving men and bought a quantity of pikes and partisans. But I remained for several days exposed to grievous annoyances, for the provost was a great nobleman of Paris, and all the other gentlefolk took part against me. They attacked me with such insults that I could hardly hold my own against them. I must not omit to mention that I entered the service of His Majesty in the year 1540, which was exactly the year in which I reached the age of forty. Chapter 13 The Affronts and Insults I Received Made me have recourse to the King, begging His Majesty to establish me in some other place. He answered, Who are you, and what is your name? I remained in great confusion, and could not comprehend what he meant. Holding my tongue, thus the king repeated the same words a second time angrily. Then I said my name was Benvenuto. If, then, you are Benvenuto, of whom I have heard, replied the king, act according to your wont, for you have my full leave to do so. I told his majesty that all I wanted was to keep his favor. For the rest I knew nothing that could harm me. He gave a little laugh and said, go your ways then you shall never want my favor upon this he told his first secretary monsignor de villeroy to see me provided and accommodated with all i needed this villeroy was an intimate friend of the provost to whom the castle had been given it was built in a triangle right up against the city walls and was of some antiquity but had no garrison the building was of considerable size monsignor de villeroy counseled me to look about for something else and by all means to leave this place alone seeing that its owner was a man of vast power who would most absurdly have me killed 
I answered that I had come from Italy to France only in order to serve that illustrious king, and as for dying, I knew for certain that die I must. A little earlier or a little later was the matter of supreme indifference to me. Now Villeroy was a man of the highest talent, exceptionally distinguished in all points, and possessed of vast wealth. There was nothing he would not gladly have done to harm me, but he made no open demonstration of his mind. He was grave and a noble presence, and spoke slowly, at his ease, to another gentleman, Marmagna, the treasurer of Languedoc. He left the duty of molesting me. The first thing which this man was to look out the best apartments in the castle, and to have them fitted up for himself. I told him that the king had given me the place to serve him in, and that I did not choose it should be occupied by any but myself and my attendants. The fellow who was haughty, bold, and spirited replied that he meant to do just what he liked, that I should run my head against the wall if I presumed to oppose him, and that Villeroy had given him authority, had given him authority to do what he was doing. I told him that, by the king's authority given to me, neither he nor Villeroy could do it, when I said that he gave vent to offensive language in French whereat i retorted in my own tongue that he lied stung with rage he clapped his hand upon a little dagger which he had then i set my hand also to a large dirk which i always wore for my defence and cried out if you dare to draw i'll kill you on the spot he had two servants to back him and i had only m my two lads for a moment or two marmagna stood in doubt not knowing exactly what to do but rather inclined to mischief and muttering i will never put up with such insults seeing then that the affair was taking a bad turn i took a sudden resolution and cried to bagolo and ascanio when you see me draw my dirk throw yourselves upon those serving men and kill them if you can i mean to kill this fellow at the first stroke and then we will decamp together with god's grace marmagna when he understood my purpose was glad enough to get out was glad enough to get alive out of the castle all these things tonight all these things toning them down a trifle i wrote to the cardinal ferrera who related them at once to the king the king deeply irritated committed me to the care of another officer of his bodyguard who was named monsignor de escontrio de orbech by him i was incommodable accommodated with all that i required in the most gracious way imaginable end of section 3 recording by chris caron